Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Human Behavior Show, live on Calling App. Um, and we're coming to the end of the first season, and I've saved the best till last. We have probably the number one podcaster on LinkedIn and one of the top podcasters in, in education overall, Hala Taha, someone who I've got to know over the last year, and she's pretty incredible. She's brought some big, big names onto the Human Behavior Show and the community over on Clubhouse. Um, she's brought the lights of the Netflix CEO, Nir Ayal, um, author of Hooked, and many others, including Chris Voss, FBI negotiator, and the names don't end. And, and Hala has made a career out of podcasting. She started four or five years ago, and we're going to hear her journey, how she went from, you know, starting up to kind of a big, big success story. Um, so I'm super excited for this one. This podcast will be available on Apple Podcast as well as Spotify. After we're done, we're going to keep it quick, about half an hour as we do with the shows. And hopefully we'll have a lot for listeners to take away. A young entrepreneur, um, someone who inspires a lot of a lot of women and men as well, um, doing it at such a young age. So first of all, Hala, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here uh, on my show. Hey, Sohaib. I'm so happy to be here, too. It's always fun to have a conversation with my friends. I know. I missed your energy. I mean, you have energy in your voice straight away. I'm like, this is going to be a good one because you, like, I <laughs> always wondered, does she ever run out of energy? <laughs> is it like a... <laughs> No, never. You're always so cheery. So, Hala, first of all, first up, tell us about yourself. Tell us about who you are and what you do. I'm sure a lot of people who, who have listened to the podcast have probably already heard some of your work, but for those who haven't, explain to them what it, who is Hala Taha. Sure. So my name is Hala. They call me the podcast princess, and that's because I know everything about podcasting, and I kind of have started to dominate the podcast industry. And so I host a number one podcast across all apps called Young and Profiting that has featured people like Deepak Chopra, Wim Hof, Ed Milet, Dave Asprey, lots of great CEOs, entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, celebrities. Matthew McConaughey was on my show. And we're all about helping people level up their life. I'm also one of the biggest influencers on LinkedIn. I started my LinkedIn journey four years ago when I launched my podcast. And I actually became an influencer on LinkedIn before my podcast blew up, which is just pretty interesting. And today I run a social media and podcast agency called Yap Media, which has over 60 employees. And we're running uh, two dozen influencer accounts across LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, and podcasts. And I just started a podcast network where I'm recruiting shows to grow them and monetize them. So like I said, they call me the podcast princess and I'm happy to talk all things podcasts, all things social, and just have a lot of knowledge and skills under my belts from over the years. Yeah, so lovely to have you here. Um, and I was saving you as, as I got warmed up with my podcast um, to, to learn and to make my podcast the next level as well. So tell us how you got started. What did that look like, that journey? When did you start? And you said you were you were a LinkedIn influencer before you started your podcast. Was that partly the reason you, you grew an audience and a following and, and you had a voice? Is that what made you get into podcasting? What was your inspiration? No, I feel like I was building the idea for Yap for like 10 years before I even started it. So Yap, the Young and Profiting podcast, was actually my fifth or sixth show. 
Uh, prior to that, I used to work at a radio station called Hot 97 when I was in college. And I actually interned at the number one show in America called The Angie Martinez Show. I was the associate producer. I ended up dropping out of school for a year and a half to work there full time. And I worked for free at a radio station for three years. So during that time, I learned how to produce shows. I was uh, recording commercials as like a personality. I was on the air like as like the intern on the show. Um, and then I would have online radio shows, which were like the precursor of podcasts, where you'd go to a physical studio, and I was with all the up-and-coming DJs, and I was the, I would be like pretending to be Angie Martinez, and, and with like the DJs who are now super famous on the radio, who were just uh, up-and-coming like I was at the time. And um, we would just have all these online radio shows on websites like alistradio.net, bottommusicradio.net, uh, dtfradio.com. And these were like big online radio stations that I used to have shows on. And I also had a YouTube show. I had a Facebook show. I was trying, you know. Um, the only difference is that I was in the music industry. So I was, you know, recording interviews with people like Soldier Boy and Fabulous and Chris Brown. Um, and, and it was more like fun and, and, uh, young and, and now I do a business show. And so when I started Young and Profiting Podcast, I had all this radio experience under my belt. I also started a blog site when I was 25 that blew up called the sorority of hip hop, strawberryblunt.com, where I had 50 female bloggers. We almost had a show on MTV twice. It, we were famous in the tri-state. I used to host all the coolest parties in the city with all my DJ connections and things like that. And so I got a lot of experience with social media and blogging from that experience, which kind of leveled up my skills even more. And so by the time I launched Young and Profiting Podcast in 2018, I had like eight to 10 years of like really relevant experience. So a lot of people start their podcasts and they're like embarrassed of episode one. And my episode one, two, and three are like masterpieces because I took a lot of time to, to create them. And we were, I was good from the start. So that gave me a really like a leg up because most people listen to someone's first episode and it's terrible. And mine was like really good. So I had super fans right from the start. And actually my super fans would reach out to me and ask me to help. Um, I was working a corporate job. I started Young and Profiting as a side hustle. And by episode two, I had my first volunteer. His name is Timothy Tan. He's now my business partner and owns 10% of everything. By episode eight, I had 10 volunteers in a Slack channel. And it was all just super fans who met me on LinkedIn, started following the show, became kind of obsessed with it. I had very pure intentions. I just wanted to give back. I was providing a lot of value. I was pretty different. You know, now there's a million podcasters and a million like female podcasters at the time, like it was really innovative what I was doing. And so people were really like attracted to it. And, uh, you know, one person from Estonia was working on my website. I had a guy from Atlanta who I taught how to do my video editing. And so I started to build this little volunteer team of super fans who would ask if, if they could help. And then I would just train them. Uh, it was part of our mission to help other people level up in life. And so I didn't even want a team, but people kept asking. And I was like, well, I guess I could help you. I could teach you how to do social. I could teach you how to do graphics. And then it enabled me to continue doing it as a side hustle. And, and it became a really big podcast. And I was always working full time. I just became a full time entrepreneur just like a, a little over a year ago. Wow, what a journey. And you seem to have had to, you know, you outsourced a lot. You trained up people. You had super fans. Um, I mean, I know how much it takes to set up a podcast. And for me, it's been easy because, of, you know, I'm doing a calling app. And this app is actually super easy to produce a podcast. It's, you don't need an RSS feed. It's published straight away. 
Um, you can edit pretty easily just in app. And that's the only reason. Otherwise, it takes so much energy to do, you know, post-production and to get everything right. Um, so that's incredible how you did that. But Hala, hold up. I was, I was listening. I was, I think I was, I saw an Insta story by you and you mentioned Chris Brown. Is it true that you actually dated Chris Brown? Yeah. No way. <laughs> I did date Chris Brown. I did. I dated Chris Brown. Um, I was probably like 25 and it was after the whole Rihanna thing. So a lot of my friends and family were giving me a lot of hell. <laughs> um, and yeah, we dated for like three months. It, you know, he was always flying back and forth to New York to, to see me. It was before he dated Carucci. I'm also like really small and petite and like kind of resemble <laughs> Carucci, which is just like weird. Um, but yeah, we dated for three months. But then I met my boyfriend who I was with for like 12 years and I ended up breaking up with Chris Brown uh, for something more realistic because I felt like Chris Brown probably had like a girlfriend in every city. Oh, no. You know what I mean? so, Good decision. Yeah. Good decision. And yeah. Going from like celebrities and music to business is pretty different. Um, I mean, MTV, it's, it's a different, it's a, it's a different skill set. I mean, I, I've seen you do a lot of shows with, you know, top entrepreneurs and tech people and you have to actually, uh, with, with celebrities, obviously you have to be entertaining. You have to be, um, you know, well received. But with tech and entrepreneur people, you have to really know, you know, what you're talking about. And you've, you always seem to know. So what does your prep work look like? How long does it take you to prep for a podcast? Or are you so much of a pro now that you just, you know, come in all guns blazing? Yeah, I do a ton of research. And now I have a big team. I have 60 people who work for my company. And I have about, I have a main researcher who really does a lot of the the prep work beforehand. But I'm so obsessed with making sure that I have great content and feeling prepared. Because for me, it's a confidence thing. I could just like, you know, go on and wing it. And I'm sure I would do fine. But I feel like the reason why people love my show is because I go above and beyond with my research. And I come up with really good questions. And I go deep. And I try to get things that they haven't told in other places. And part of that process is listening to interviews. So... A lot of the people, uh, it's just so funny. Like my mentors are, are the people that I used to look up to in podcasting, like Jordan Harbinger and Ed Milet and Lewis House. Now I interview the same people. And so I just go listen to my favorites uh, because usually they've interviewed that person already. So like, for example, I had Deepak Chopra on the show. So it's like I listen to Deepak Chopra on all his major interviews. I see what he talks about, what lights him up when he talks, what turns him off, how fast does he speak, how slow does he speak, is he, does he like just go on and on? Am I going to need to prepare for somebody who just goes on and on? Or is he really short-winded and I need to make sure I have double the amount of questions and like have more commentary because they, they don't talk a lot. And so part of it is just like getting used to their voice and like just making sure that I feel super confident. And then the other part is the fact that we cover such a broad range of topics. I'm an expert on marketing and podcasting. If my show was just about marketing and podcasting, I would never have to do any prep because I'm super knowledgeable. But I'll do topics on like sleep or getting into flow or building habits and things like that. And I'll need to learn their content, their perspective, learn the industry perspectives on it so that I can have a meaningful conversation. So I end up doing about probably now, I'm not going to lie, I probably do like six hours of prep. If it's a huge interview like Wim Hof or, or Ed Milet, I'll do like 15 hours of prep. But if it's just like a regular interview, I'm doing about six hours. And then my team is probably doing like another eight hours of prep. I always read the book. 
I always ask for a PDF copy of their book specifically so that I can take screenshots of things and easily, um, you know, prepare. A lot of people make the mistake, I think, of getting a hard copy book. It's really hard to do like fast studying that way. So I always ask for a PDF so that we can have a digital file of their book. And I make sure that I impress them because the worst thing that you can do when, when I get on a podcast and somebody's like, Hey, can you pronounce your name for me? <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, why am I even here? Like, you know what I mean? So, so doing your research is really important in terms of creating the vibe. I mean, that prep, um, it shows through. I think that's why you've got such high quality content and people don't see the prep that goes in. And I, and I was surprised when, you know, you knew so much of the health topics. I'm, I'm a medical doctor and I was like, oh, Holland knows her stuff. And obviously you've done the prep. And no, and, and by the way, I'll forget it the next day. I'll be like, what did we talk about? Like, <laughs> you sound good <laughs> in those it's shows. Like so it's like such cramming, you know, I have to just like cram all this information. And then my brain is like, all right, we don't need this. We don't need this. <laughs> okay, right. I forget it the next day. Because <laughs> I remember your back channels were so organized. The people, you, you had a lot of organization <laughs> I hadn't seen before. And I know you've hosted Deepak Chopra. Actually, he was um, someone who we looked up at the mental health startup I was at a few years ago. And it was interesting that you hosted him. I did listen to that one. And you've had Mateo. I've worked with Eight Sleep as a sleep doctor. So, so you've been hitting the right people that I'm interested in too. So that's what, what I'm saying. Like you hit such a broad range of topics yeah. um, that, that it interests everyone. And so you reached number one. When, when did that start to happen? When did you start to like go up the charts? Was it straight away? Is it a recent thing? Um, how did that happen? I, my podcast took two years to take off. It took two whole years. So from the start, I was getting about 3,000, 4,000 downloads a month. And it was so stagnant. I was blowing up on LinkedIn. And the thing is that what people don't realize is that social following and, and engagement and people watching your micro content videos doesn't necessarily translate into downloads. But I leveraged LinkedIn to blow up my podcast. So what I did is about two years into it, I had 60,000 followers on LinkedIn, which at the time was like a really big following. It was all organic, very engaged community. People loved me on LinkedIn. And I decided that Apple wasn't the only game in town. I used to really be focused on Apple. But what I found is that I had an international audience and a lot of those people use Androids. And so I would always be pointing to the Apple podcast link and people would say, I don't have that. I don't like that app. And then I started doing research, and this is why I'm the podcast princess. I learned the ins and outs. I see a lot of po new podcasters now who don't take time to understand like the landscape of the market, but I really did, and I would study and study and try to really just figure anything out. And then one day I had like a breakthrough, and I was like, wow, like there's 70 different podcast apps out there. Apple Podcasts, I did my research, makes up like 30% of the market share. Now it's only 20%, but two years ago, it was like 30% of the market share. And 70% of listeners are on these other apps. And these apps want active users, and I have a community. So what I did is I cold outreached to all these different apps like CastBox and Player FM and Podcast Republic and all these different apps. And I said, listen... CastBox, for example, they were looking for Twitter influencers and they had a, a web page about Twitter influencers. And I reached out to them cold and I was like, listen, hi, my name's Hala. I'm not a Twitter influencer, but I'm a LinkedIn influencer. I'd love to team up and partner and promote you on my LinkedIn in exchange for you guys promoting me in your app. And I did that with Every single podcast brand that I could think of, Good Pod sponsored me, CastBox sponsored me, my hosting provider sponsored me, Riverside.fm sponsored me, Audrey sponsored me. And I got like 
50 different of the podcast apps to sponsor me within like a three month time frame. And I freaking blew up my, my, my download skyrocketed. Now I have 235,000 subscribers on Castbox. They're still like one of my main sponsors and I work with them like constantly. And, and like, they literally cr- like, cr- like I credit them for like almost creating a podcast superstar because they really, really believed in me and put so much behind me and gave me so much free promo. And I also gave them a lot of promo on LinkedIn. And so it was like a very mutual benefit, uh, beneficial relationship. And then I did that on a smaller scale with like everyone else. And then I hit number one trending across all apps and I continued to hit that. Um, and I got on the cover of podcast magazine that further accelerated my career. That was January of 2021. I landed the Matthew McConaughey interview in Feb and January of 2021 as well. So like, that's when it all like just like eclipsed and I was like officially like a big podcaster. Um, and yeah, my downloads now I get like, you know, almost a hundred thousand downloads a week. And before then I was getting 4,000 downloads a month. So it really, really took off. Wow, that's an insane number. A hundred thousand a week. Wow. And I'm still <laughs> small. Like like I'm sitting uh, way above my weight in terms you of You think of Joe Rogan here. I think you're big, Hala. <laughs> no, I mean in in the grand scheme of things, I'm still like I'm big. I'm not gonna say that I'm not big, but compared to like Joe Rogan or like Lewis Howes or I'm still like like not there yet, but I'm punching above my weight in terms of my guests and the way that I'm monetizing and like my agency. And so I'm coming for their next, you know, you're coming. <laughs> Hala's on their way. So Hala, <laughs> you're also a really savvy businesswoman as well. Let's not forget that. So you can be a great, someone can be a great podcaster, you know, good to listen to, get the right guests, etc. But what I've seen from you is that, you know, you get the deals done. You, you're very good at execution and you're very efficient at it. You don't, you don't waste time. <laughs> right how do you yeah. how did you learn that was that through your previous jobs have you always been like that is that just part of your character and personality i credit everything to skill stacking i've been working since i was 13 years old um i come from a family that's like all about studying all my siblings are doctors my dad was a doctor and almost everybody in my like community and my relatives, they didn't get their first job until they were like in their late 20s because they just focused on school, 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 school. I was like adamant about working since I was 13. And I always had a job mostly because I wanted to have cool clothes (laughs) and I wanted to have money to pay for cool clothes. And so I would always have a job. And I think about the fact that I'm such like my job today is mostly being a salesperson. Like I'm responsible to close deals for my agency, for sponsorship deals. And mostly all I do the last two years is sales. But for the last 10 years, I haven't had a sales job since I was like in college, right? And and in high school when I had all these like, like clothing jobs and I'd be like the top seller at BB and Abercrombie and Fitch and things <laughs> like that. And I just think about those sales skills that I learned as such a young girl and how much they've benefited me today and how all these little experiences, whether they were successes or failures, have really helped me to stack up all these skills. And I really credit my success today to all the different experiences that I've had. I've had over 23 jobs in my life. And so I always say that I'm like not the smartest. I'm the most experienced. And maybe I'm smart because of all the knowledge that I've accumulated. But really, it's not like book smarts. I never was like the person that would get like 100% on the tests and things like that. Like, I did terrible in my undergrad, in fact. And but it's it's just because 
I, when I'm focused, I really put in my 100%. I'm really enthusiastic. I know how to recruit and build a team. I know how to delegate appropriately. And I'm just really creative. And I have a lot of skills from production skills to graphic skills to marketing skills to writing skills to sales skills. I just have a lot of skills. And so I think that was my secret. And if I ever write a book, it's going to be on skill stacking because I think it's something that people don't talk about enough. And a lot of young people that I meet, uh, since I have a lot of young listeners, they think that they need to be paid to, to, to work. And I've, I've done so much free and like minimum wage jobs that now I'm literally making millions of dollars a year because I learned the skills at those jobs. And a lot of those times, the employer was teaching me on their dime. And I think a lot of young people don't understand the value of just learning skills, even if it means they're not going to get any financial gain immediately. Wow, it seems like you're already retired. That many years, you had your first job 10 years before I had my first job. My first job was <laughs> at 23. And it was as a, a stylist at, at this place called All Saints we have in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> I was busy with med school <laughs> before that. Yeah, see, get you're in. like one of those med school people that never had a job, right? And then yeah, now, you get stuck. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And all my siblings, like for a while, they were like, "Oh man, we're worried about you all. What are you gonna do?" Like, and, I, and you're now I'm it, like, yeah. <laughs> now my sister's like, "Can I live in your basement?" <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really funny. So, Hala, is there anyone in the podcasting circuit? You named a few names that that you look up to, or you find inspiring? I know you've mentioned um, Lewis Howes. Um, um, is he someone? Is there anyone else? Yeah. Um, my number one mentor in this space is Jordan Harbinger. So they call me the female version of Jordan Harbinger. He's got a very big podcast. I was named Best of Apple Podcasts in 2018. His podcast is about five times my size. And he has become my one of my best friends. He's become one of my mentors. He's in my Slack channel. He's become an advisor um, for my company, essentially. And it all started with, again, me working for free. I was building my show. I interviewed him. And he probably thought he was never going to hear from me again. But I am a girl who's like, when I have a mission, I have a mission. And I was like, Jordan Harbinger is going to teach. He's the most knowledgeable person about monetizing podcasts. And he's the only person that can teach me stuff that I can't learn online. And so I made it a point to continually follow up with him and do free work for him. So for example, I got on the cover of Podcast Magazine and they were like, list your favorite podcast. So I featured Jordan and I was like, hey, Jordan, I, I got on the cover of Podcast Magazine and I featured you in this article. Or hey, Jordan, I you know got this article on um, Good Pods and I, I featured you in this. Then um, I would ask him really smart questions I started telling him about the CastBox promo opportunities and introduced him to CastBox. It worked super well for him. And he was like so impressed that I figured out all this in-app promotion things that like nobody had figured out yet. I was like really the first one to really jump on all that. Uh, aside from like major networks like Wondery and stuff. Like the fact that I did it in Impendent is like crazy, you know? And so he was just so impressed with that. And then I got him hooked up with CastBox. And then he started to see like, oh, like this girl actually can bring value. She gives me the new school information and I can give her the old school information. So then we started like partnering together and doing all these deals together uh, in terms of getting our podcast featured and doing cross promo and things like that. 
And he just started teaching me everything. And now I just have like a direct line to like the most knowledgeable person in podcasting. And he helps me level up my team. He's helped me like monetize my show to like an incredible capacity. Like I said, I feel like I'm shooting way above my weight. And a lot of it is because of what he's taught me. And it's just been a great experience. And the last thing I'll say is what really got him uh, as like my mentor is that one day his um, producer was sick and he was like, Hala, I'm in a jam. I know you're really good at marketing. My producer's sick and I need some commercials written and I'm like a terrible writer. Can you write them for me? And I didn't ask for money. I didn't ask I, without hesitation. I was like, sure. I did it that night. I, I knocked it out of the park and he was like, all right, like you're really smart. Like let's figure out how we can work together. And that was that. And, and we became like really close friends and, and business partners since then. So it seems like you always just take the opportunity. You're, you're someone who, you know, is always grasping, you know, good opportunities that come your way, which is incredible. And Hala, um, what is the vision now? Now you've, you've, you know, you've made it, you're doing well, you've got a, you know, a great team behind you. Um, I know obviously you want to, you want to go, you know, you know, you want to beat Joe Rogan. <laughs> I, I see you want to be the number one in the world. But apart from that, what, what, is, what does your next five years look like? And with that question, I also want to ask, where do you think the podcasting industry is going? Is it going towards YouTube and video? Or do you think audio only? And we've seen the you know rise of social audio as well. Do you think audio is powerful without video? Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll answer your first question in terms of like, what am I working on? What's my, like, first of all, I hate looking five years ahead because that's just way too long. But in the next year, I'm focused on the app media network. So in January, I launched a podcast network. So using the same strategies that I did to grow my show, I grew three other shows to my size. And then I figured out how to monetize my show and sell out my show with commercials. And then I did that with the three other shows that I grew. And then I realized I had all these brands and all this demand and I had no more inventory. So I started recruiting more shows and trying to grow more shows. And I launched the Yap Media Podcast Network. Now, like all these big, like giants are trying to sign us exclusive and like we're very hot in the industry. And so just continuing to grow my podcast network, recruiting podcasts, helping them produce better shows, monetizing them, growing them. Um, and then, of course, taking a rev share of the sponsorship profits so that we can make money. And so that is one of my main focuses. I have a very great boutique social media and podcast agency. I've decided to basically put a cap on the number of clients I take on that side. And I'm focusing most of my day to day is focusing on growing this network as big as possible. And I, I personally think we're going to be the biggest uh, business and entrepreneurship um podcast network in the world. And one day we're going to get probably bought by Spotify type of a thing. And so very excited about that. Super bullish on that. It's so much fun. And uh, personally, I'm doing a lot more speaking engagements. Um, I hope to start writing a book this year. And so that's what I am up to personally. Also, like really trying to like establish a footing on Instagram. I've, I've recently gotten a lot more following on that platform. So really focusing on reels and Instagram and also YouTube. And then that kind of parlays into your next question, which is where is podcasting going? And 100% uh, podcasting is becoming more of an omni-channel experience. Sponsors are wanting 360 campaigns, which really puts my network as an advantage because, uh, which really puts my network as like a big, like we have a big advantage because I have a social media agency and we're the only podcast agency that can also do like 
proper social media campaigns and we also run YouTube channels. So I am an expert at these omni-channel campaigns where most networks don't have those capabilities. And so that really sets us apart and why people are so excited about what we're doing. And so um, I definitely think that more podcasts are starting to get sold as a simulcast, which means that you can get sponsors for your podcast episodes across those two channels, which is a really new thing in the industry. And a lot more brands are interested in these simulcast shows. So I definitely think that YouTube is something to pay attention to as a podcast, and you should figure out that from the bat. I also think that people are going to start doing sponsorships for like live shows uh, more often. And I think that things like CEO interviews and paying for CEO interviews are going to get more common and less taboo. And um, so I think there's lots of opportunity in the space. I also think VR, once that really gets hot, is going to impact the space uh, significantly. And I will say that I'm so disappointed that Clubhouse kind of fizzled out. I was so excited about Clubhouse and it was just so fruitful for the time that we had it. And I can't wait until there's a new social audio app that really takes takes over like Clubhouse did. Yeah, I would 100% double down on that. I mean, Clubhouse had so much hype last year and then it kind of completely fizzled out. But we're on calling app and maybe calling David Sachs's his product, worked with Elon Musk previously. Maybe if Colin make the right decisions, they, they can you know learn from that. But I, I do know LinkedIn Audio is also launching. We've talked about that as well. Twitter Spaces is there. Fireside, Wisdom, quite a few in the space. I know Clubhouse is trying to build Web3 features now, so I think they will go the Metaverse uh, um, social token route. So let's, let's see how that works for them because they've raised a lot of money um, and they're building features. They just launched a social houses, like private beta clubs this week. And then they're just trying to build a lot of fees. So let's see how that goes. The invite only type of, you know, how early clubhouse was big because of invites and people wanting an exclusive community. They're trying to go for that feel again, but for broadcasting, you do need a big, big reach. So Hala, with, with that, what are your thoughts on things like TikTok? I mean, TikTok is super hot. I think the only platforms that have organic reach is TikTok and LinkedIn. I want to get more into TikTok but the thing is, is that TikTok is something that you have to have time for yourself. Like you need to be uploading like organic, authentic content that you're shooting on your actual phone. And I don't have a lot of time. I'm a businesswoman. Like you said, I'm running a 60 person <laughs> team. And so right now I've like kind of to a degree outsourced my social channels. I'm still very close in t- terms of the strategy because that's what I do. But it's, it's hard to, for somebody to, to do, like, you have to do it yourself. And so for me, I just don't have enough time for TikTok. And there's so much fish to fry in other areas that I haven't been that focused on it. But I wish I was. I wish I was on TikTok more frequently and, like, just going at it harder. It's just sometimes you have to make choices in terms of your priorities. But I would say if you're new and, and your audience is on TikTok, go for it. Uh, especially if you're choosing between like Instagram or TikTok, I would 100% go for TikTok. And the key to to, to mastering or, or getting anything accomplished on social media is to focus on one platform. Um, I think the reason why I was so successful early on is because when I started my journey on LinkedIn, I wasn't also focused on Instagram or TikTok or anything else. All I cared about was LinkedIn. And I learned all the features and I learned how to hack that platform. I understood the algorithm. I, I did all the tactics that I needed to do to go viral. And now I've like replicated that over and over and over again for my clients. 
And if I had spread myself too thin, none of that would have happened. And my podcast wouldn't have blew up and I couldn't have had, like, you need one thing you can leverage. And so it's really important to be focused, to, to lean into all the features, to understand the algorithms, to understand the, how to write captions, the publishing strategies that you have, the common engagement strategies that you have, the DM engagement strategies that you have. And it's, it's like very complicated to become an influencer. It's, it's not going to just fall on your lap. And so what I'd say is whatever platform you choose, make sure your audience is on there and make sure you're focused 100% on that platform before you move on to others. Hala, that's, that's brilliant advice. And, and your team is a well-oiled machine by now. And, you, and you're, you're a great leader, a leader of people. So <laughs> it's been great having you, friend, on, on my show. Uh, finally, I want to ask you, where can people follow you? What's the best way to reach out to you? Um, and I heard you you were doing appearance on podcasts as, as a way of giving back to people. Yeah. So the best way to keep up to date with me is to follow my podcast. I put out two to three episodes a week. So I'm always putting out content. We do amazing work. It's called Young and Profiting Podcast. You can find it on every major podcast platform. Please subscribe. If you like something, drop us a review. We really appreciate it. You guys can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Yap with Hala or LinkedIn by searching my name. It's Hala. Taha. And yes, I am for the next month, I'm going to be doing an interview tour. I do content days once a week. And so I'll be doing three to four guest appearances every single week. And if you guys want me on your show this month, there's no requirements. Usually we have like, you know, certain benchmarks that you have to hit. But this month I'm giving back and I'm going to be doing as many interviews as I can. Um, if you want me on your show, just uh, all you have to do, just DM me on Instagram. My team checks those messages and just say that you want to have Hala on, on your show. Hala, thank you so much. It's been incredible hearing your energy again. And best of luck. Uh, obviously, we're friends and I'm glad to be kind of in touch with you. And, you know, you're a text away. <laughs> I can just ask you for advice whenever <laughs> I need to. So that's, that's the brilliant thing of having met you a year ago. Um, uh, yeah, 100%. It's been so much fun partnering with you. You know, the club that you built on Clubhouse, the Human Behavior Club, was so awesome. And I'm so thankful that you allowed me to do so many great rooms. And by the way, did you know that I won a Webby honoree for the Chris and Alex Carter episode? Oh, no way. Club? Wow. Congrats. That's big. Yeah, Alex Carter. Yeah, I got a best live I got best live podcast for Chris Voss and Alex Carter in your club. And it's, oh, wow. Uh, it's Thanks. Like, yeah, yeah I, well, I knew your content was far superior than anyone else. So it was a no-brainer <laughs> to, to have you have you doing content there. And um, yeah, I wish Clubhouse had sorted out notifications because I think um, that's where they went wrong. But um, yeah, when, when the heyday, it was a lot of fun partnering, having being in the shows with you. I know the timings were crazy for me being in the UK. But I learned a lot from you and, and hopefully we'll continue to learn and I hope we can partner in the future again um, as this space develops. But Allah, uh, thank you so much for coming on. And guys, this will be available on Spotify, and Apple Podcasts as well, The Human Behavior Show, probably the best episode we've had, Hala, uh, the princess of podcasting, as, as we like to say. Uh, and Hala, really grateful for you coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye.